Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. So are you feeling dirty today? And no, I'm not talking about your latest sexy moves. I'm talking about do you feel chronic fatigue, hair loss, bad gas, skin issues, the list goes on. That probably means that you have toxins in your body and you're probably a little dirty already. Dr. Wendy Tranau, a functional medicine practitioner with more than 30 years experience of both having these symptoms herself in her body and feeling that way to practicing to help others. She knows all this too well. She's the author of the book, Dirty Girl, and we are going to be talking about what toxins we are putting in our bodies, often unaware, and why they are causing chaos and illness. We have the original Dr. Dirty Girl, (laughs) Dr. Wendy Trubo. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kate. It's great to be here. Well, I have been absolutely pumped for the show because as my whole world knows, I am absolutely obsessed with what goes into my body. And I have been also obsessively watching the Netflix show, Live to 100 in the Blue Zones. I'm sure you've heard about it. Mm -hmm. And what those people do, what do they put in their bodies? And not just what you put in your bodies, but also how you live your life and lifestyle. And you are a very successful author, but more to the point, you are a functional medicine gynecologist. (laughs) What on earth is that? (laughs) Well, I was a classically trained gynecologist, OBGYN, Uh and then I left surgery and left delivering babies and left traditional office practice and went into functional medicine. But because my training is as a gynecologist, I stuck with only taking care of women. So I'll do your pap smear. But typically what I'm looking for, what are the things that will torture you, put you at risk for chronic diseases, Alzheimer's, diabetes, cardiometabolic disease, degenerative disease, and working with my patients to peel off all those risks for chronic disease. Mm. And peel off the things that are making them suffer right now. Now, I do a lot of traveling for our charitable arm, the Body Agency Collective, and constantly going to places like Rwanda and Ghana and India and developing countries and meet with a lot of women. And I know the struggle that I have with my own body surrounded by Western medicine. I have a gynecologist, I have a GP, I have a skin doctor. The list is long, right? Takes a village. But then when I go and visit these ladies abroad who, you know, live on a few dollars a day if they're lucky, I met this one lady who had cervical cancer and she was lying on the floor of her hut. And there's no other way of saying this, but the smell Mm -hmm. was just jarring and shocking and my heart bled for her. And at that moment, I realized that these issues of what happens to our bodies is so acute and we have the resources here, right, to be able to go and do it, to go have pap smears, to really understand what's going on with our bodies. And the first sign that there's something is, of course, discharge and pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And anyway, the reason I'm saying that is I know that what we put in our bodies will help both 
prevent these types of cancers and gut issues. And we're going to talk about this, our pH balance. And I can't wait to dive in about all of these things. I'm so excited. I just don't even know where to start. But let's start. I feel like we're in Alice in Wonderland, right? Like we got to start at the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Why did you decide to go down this route of functional medicine? All right. Think of me like a camel, Kate. Okay. I have two major humps in my life. The first is the first 35 years of my life. I'm born with the worst genes. I have pneumonia at six months, recurrent strep and ear infections through the first 10 years of my life and get more antibiotic courses than I can even count. I don't even know, right? Because that's what you did. I, I was born in 1970. Me and the EPA are the same age. So in my teens, I had what I now know is irritable bowel, but I didn't know it at the time. Like we didn't talk about those things in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And later on, the microwaves were brought into common use in the 80s with the prepackaged meals that were in plastic that you just cook. And then layer on that in my 20s, I had now florid IBS. But again, I I really just thought that people had a better cork than I did because I had terrible gas. And then fast forward, I was 35. I just had my second kid. I had some infertility issues and I can barely get out of bed. I'm like head to toe, hot mess, hair loss, brain fog, anxiety, thyroid dysfunction, asthma, heart palpitations, bloating gas, diarrhea, constipation, sometimes on the same day, kind of like pick what you get, you know, a little pick list. I had heavy periods, I had fertility challenges, I was wasting, and I had nutritional deficiencies. So I was really messy. And I went to see my husband's functional mentor. He was in functional medicine and had a mentor and said, you know, before our insurance changes, why don't you go see him? And he diagnosed me with celiac. He did a huge workup, told me all about like all these things I had never really thought about, but ultimately said, you have an autoimmune disease called celiac, which is the end result of an allergy to gluten. I was like, oh, my dad is celiac, but it's genetic. I just never knew and I fell through the medical cracks. So not to get granular here, but IBS. Yeah. I'm obsessed, (laughs) sadly, because I have suffered for years and years and years and years. And it doesn't matter what doctor I go to, nobody seems to be able to sort it out. So we're going to dive in there. We will. What were your symptoms? How did you know you had IBS? Well, I didn't know I had IBS. That's the challenge, Kate. I think it's really important for people to understand that it's not like flicking on a light switch for most of us, that on Monday you're amazing and Monday night you're terrible. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like I was born and 35 years later I'm super dysfunctional and it has slowly declined over the last I was undiagnosed. I mean, I know that I had iron deficient anemia when I was 15 and I took iron three times a day and it didn't do squat. Didn't help. I wasn't absorbing it, right? So I know I had issues from celiac when I was 15, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was 35. And how did you get diagnosed? It's a blood test. Well, so it's a very simple blood test. It just looks at antibodies against the various proteins that are specifically associated with celiac. And I didn't have the genetics done at that time, but I did later and found out I carry two genes that put me at risk for celiac. And so going back to irritable bowel, I didn't know I had it because it had developed so slowly. I just thought that's how my body was. 
I remember reading a book where they talked about the color of water. It was just the color of water. It was just the air that I breathed. Mm. And I didn't know it was abnormal. I literally thought everybody had a better cork than I did because I had terrible gas. So how were you feeling? Did oh, you have awful. stomach cramps? Did you have diarrhea? Like what was going on? Yeah, I knew that there were foods I didn't do well with. None of those were gluten, by the way. They were oranges, yeah. peppers, and garlic. I knew that I couldn't eat those or I would be like stomach twisting, sharp shooting pains. Mm -hmm. And remember, this is the 80s at that point. My mom's like, just go lie down on your right side so the gas can move. Oh God. Okay. There was no gas X. There was no gastroenterology console. Like there was none of that. And by the way, my dad's a doctor, but like we just didn't talk about it. This is just how it was. Wow. So I was oblivious to it in the sense of, I just thought that's how your body worked. We joke in our family about the Trubo gut because everyone in my family would sit on the toilet for a long period of time. And only in retrospect was I like, oh, that's not normal. Like you should sit down and poop. Yeah. And then be done. Yeah. Not have to sit for an hour waiting for it to come out because you're so constipated. I didn't know that was abnormal. So obviously you were feeling bad eating these foods, garlic and oranges and whatnot. But when you went to do your blood test, can the doctor then tell you avoid these foods? Like how do you go about finding out what's upsetting you? Yeah, that's a great question. So you can do a blood test for food sensitivities. You can also do skin testing. The skin testing tells you what you're likely to get hives or stop breathing from. But I never had that. So let's set the skin testing to the side. Although I do have very strong environmental reactions to things. I've never had any hives or anaphylaxis. So you can do a blood test for food sensitivities. It's typically not covered by insurance. The company we use is based in Rockland, Massachusetts. I think it's $238 to check 199 foods. And what it's looking for are what are foods that you're eating that are getting through the lining of your gut into your bloodstream and causing an immune reaction. So it's not the holy grail, right? I showed up for lettuce. Lettuce is like the most benign, boring, bland food. So you, it's not the holy grail in the sense of you can come up positive for things that really aren't that exciting, but you can also come up for negative for foods you never eat. Except what's very interesting is foods that you're genuinely reactive to. Like I'm genuinely reactive to lobster. Actually, all of the shellfish really messes with me and I never eat it. Kate, the last time I ate lobster, I was 19 years old and then was up all night vomiting with diarrhea. Oh, no. So I avoided lobster. I don't eat lobster. I'm almost 53 now. Aww. I don't eat lobster, but it still shows up on my food sensitivity panel. Wow. I'm genuinely reactive to it. And then the other thing that shows up is the food that you're eating a lot of because it's getting through the lining. So it's a good place to understand like, oh, right. I eat those nuts and seeds every day. Well, maybe we want to eat less of them or rotate your diet around, have more variety. Mm, gosh, so interesting. Yeah. What other foods set you off? So we've got oranges, garlic, lobster, shellfish. Those are the ones that I was like, I don't eat that stuff. And then when I got the food sensitivity, it uncovered that I had, well, I had a huge workup, Kate. So I had food sensitivity, stool testing, adrenal testing, hormone testing, blood testing for minerals and nutrients. I had a massive workup and this was when I was 35. And he said to me, well, you're reactive to bananas, you're reactive to tomatoes. On top of the celiac, you have irritable bowel, you have tons of candida. So I started to, I eliminated the tomatoes and the bananas for six months. And then I eliminated gluten, no question right away. And then I started working on the candida, which is often present when there's inflammation in the gut, right? The gut doesn't have a lot of, it's not like a very well-developed 
behavior. It's not like it can say, oh, well, I have inflammation, I'll wall it off. No, it just kind of reacts. Mm. It only has a few reactions. It can get out of balance. It can get dysbiotic. You can have candida. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it, right? Now, don't we all have candida in our we do. system? We do, but when it grows too much, it's dysfunctional. When it overgrows. Isn't that yeast infection? Great question. Gosh, I'll tell you, I had, I call it now Vaginitis Fridays because everyone on Thursday nights like, oh my God, I'm traveling. My boyfriend's coming to town. My husband's coming home, whatever it is, right? And I can't have sex because my vagina itches too much. But that was me 30 years ago. So wow. you can definitely have yeast in your vagina as a yeast infection. That's an overgrowth. It's an imbalance. It's not truly an infection. Mm. It's an overgrowth. Yeah. But you can have it in your gut too. And typically when you have it in your vagina, it means that you have it in your gut because the vagina is a representation of what's happening in the gut. It's just a, it's just an outflow, right? What happens in the gut happens in the rest of the body. So thrush on your tongue or skin issues or vaginal issues, it all means your gut's out of whack. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I have had a yeast infection, a UTI, MBV, all at the same time. How about them apples? I mean, no, no. I know, I know. And, you know, I was literally just talking to my GP about this. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Right. Why do, and as we all know, these are not sexually transmitted diseases, these are dysfunctions in your system. Yeah. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Now, I wanted to switch gears a little bit to the other things that we're putting in our body in Mm -hmm. general and what we truly have to avoid. Now, we all know about processed foods, right? We all know that is no bueno. Don't (laughs) eat anything in a packet. But really, Wendy, how impossible is this? It's impossible Unless you're Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And, you know, you're chopping up lots of vegetables every day and liquidizing them. I mean, there's a lot of hacks you can do, but it needs to be a whole household behavior. It can't just, I mean, I'll just say my blind spot is not asking for help. And so for many years, I just kind of like suffered through and struggled through. And finally, my babysitter was like, can I help you with that? Because I have four kids and I have a babysitter. And so she was like, I can help you. You don't have to come home at 530 and then prep for an hour and a half and cook for an hour. Like you don't have to do that. And so you're right. It does take time, but there's a lot of ways you can hack it. If you have a babysitter or a mother's helper, you can sick them on prepping the food. You can get it pre-prepped. There's tons of food delivery systems that will pre-prep the food for you. So all you have to do is cook the final step. And then a lot of the grocery stores will have pre-cut food. It does lower the nutrient value when you pre-cut it. Mm. But on the other hand, you want to pick your battle, right? Like this isn't a black or white conversation. It's all about how can you make a better choice than you might've made if you didn't have that. So if your choice is go to a restaurant and have it be full of seed oils and non-organic food and high salt, high fat, and full of pesticides and chemicals and hormones versus maybe it doesn't have quite the nutrient density that you would like, but you cooked it, you can trace the chain of it. I would go for that any day. All right, let's talk about a couple of things. So what are the worst kinds of things Mm. to put in your body? And I have some very specific questions here. Hit me. So I would imagine that coffee creamer 
is like the devil? That's a good question, Kate. I think sugar's the devil. And I keep waiting for the meme of me to come out going, sugar's the devil. Well, we know sugar's the devil. It's very interesting. I would pick a fight more than the creamer. I would pick a fight with the coffee itself that came through hot water being forced through a plastic cup. I would pick a bigger fight with that than I would with the creamer because the coffee is like drinking's dirty little secret, right? There's full of pesticides, it's full of chemicals, and it's full of mold if it hasn't been tested. So I did not know that. That triggers me more than the creamer itself. By the time we get to the creamer, we've already gone to hell. We've already stacked the deck against ourselves. So my vote would be clean up your coffee and then think about your creamer, but do the coffee first. Get rid of the plastic. Get rid of those pods. I have recently switched to matcha. Uh I now do matcha lattes with oat milk. Lovely. Is that good for me? Have I switched from the devil or, oh no, please don't burst my bubble. (laughs) Let's go for a lesser evil. So I think, you know, we were just talking about that last night in a program that I run. And so if the matcha comes as a powder, it had to be made into the powder. If it comes in a tea bag, then that tea bag has a very strong possibility that it has plastic in it. And so the best would be an organically grown matcha that's loose leaf that you put into a metal brewer. I mean, you're British, right? Yes. British love their tea. So you guys are tea experts. So just make sure that it doesn't have plastic in the bag and that you're truly brewing it. And that's, I think, much better. It has a lower caffeine concentration. So you're not challenging the adrenals to the same level that you are when you have a whole cup of coffee. And, you know, there's the ritual of coffee and then there's the addiction to coffee. They're two separate things. Mm. So I think matcha is an improvement over a cup of very pesticide-laden, push-through plastic coffee. Now, when you look at a pint of milk or even, you know, almond milk or any of these substitute milks, they all come in... Tetra packs. Yep. They come in cartons. Mm -hmm. Are you going to tell us that that is no bueno? So I have four kids and my oldest is 19 and my youngest is 11. And there was a time when I literally felt like my hair was on fire all the time because I have so many kids and I have businesses and like... That's a lot of babies. It's a lot of humans, right? Yeah. And we have local in-laws. And so a typical night for us is eight people for dinner. That's typical. And now that my kids are older, some of the older two are gone, but when they're around, they have friends over. So I never ever made my own almond, oat, soy milks. I never did it because it was the thing that I couldn't cope with. So if you have the bandwidth and you're able to make your own milk, that's amazing. If you don't, there's much bigger fights you can pick around what to make you healthy with. Wendy, as you're talking, this is a lot of work, right? If you seriously think about, even when you go to Whole Foods, right? Whole Foods has this image of everything is organic. No, it's not. Like if you look at any packet that you get, and I really worry when I go into Whole Foods and I see those like massively plump, crunchy grapes, right? In that plastic. I'm like, how do they get to be that perfect, right? right? Those don't grow like that organically. So this is a lot of work. And when you say, you know, have your babysitter help, you know, do this, do that. This is for extremely wealthy people, right? Who have those resources. Okay. Put me right there. I don't agree. How do you do this on a budget? Because it seems to me that... Frozen. Frozen seconds, farm shares. You know, we belong to a farm share and yeah, it's kind of shishi, but it's $25 a week and we get a box of vegetables. Oh, right. Again, it's not about being perfect. Perfect is the enemy of good. It's about what can you make an improvement on? And I would take issue with what you said that it's a lot of work. Sure. It's a lot of commitment. Mm. It starts with this commitment. Like I want to be 
vital, vibrant, healthy, able and interested in intimacy until I'm at least 100, and that every decade gets better than the one before. I don't believe you're meant to just slowly slide down the hill and end up devoid of mind and body in your bed and die at some undetermined point having suffered for 10 years. I don't resonate with that. So Mm -hmm. yes, it takes a huge amount of commitment to stay on the path. Mm -hmm. But then again, make gradations. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be better. Be better this year than you were last year. And when I mean better, I mean you can do frozen organic vegetables. They were frozen at the peak of their freshness and they're often way less expensive and you can get more of it for less money. Mm -hmm. Like I would never put fresh blueberries into a smoothie that I'm feeding to my six kids. I'm like, no, I'm going to take a bag of organic blueberries that's frozen and so much more value, right? So I think that it's very possible to economize and value and look for seconds and talk about like, go right to the farmer. I actually know a farmer we bought a cow from. Yeah, We bought the whole cow because remember, I live on my own soccer team farm, right? Like it's a lot of people. Yeah. But you can go right to the farmer and say, hey, I can't afford to buy a whole cow, but can I buy whatever, right? Can I buy $100 worth of meat that will last me for a month and a half, two months? And you put it in the freezer. Yeah. It's all frozen. It comes frozen. comes prepackaged and frozen. And you know the source of it, right? You know it's clean. You know it's better than, I mean, even I feel like we tasted the meat and I was like, this tastes better than the store bag. Mm. Like it tastes different. But aren't farmers using pesticides though? Some of them are. So you got to say to them, do you spray the grass that your cows are eating? Yeah. Because that's sort of like a waste of energy. If you're eating grass-fed cows, but they've been fed pesticides, that's a total waste, right? So it's really, are they just roaming and eating what they're supposed to be eating. Mm. And that takes work, right? Like I had to call the farmer and say, how does it work? There's definitely steps involved in it, but there's certainly ways to economize and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be in the game and make an improvement. Okay. Now for somebody who's not going to the farm every day, but the person is going to Safeway, Mm -hmm. okay? What do you need to look out for? Like give us some simple steps because in your book, in all of your communications, you talk about packaging and Mm -hmm. I was even seeing that you bought some plates in Spain and you tested those plates and they had toxins on them. So mad. I mean, oh my God, I'm like freaking out now. Everything in my kitchen practically has to go. Danger, danger, right? Yeah, we're surrounded. We are surrounded. So so that's the thing. So I think the most important tip is remember you're never going to be perfect. You're going to be better Mm -hmm. and you're going to be in the game and you're going to screw it up. Like I bought these gorgeous plates and they're sitting on my piano because I can't figure out how to hang them. I want to hang them in my office. I have a column right behind where I'm recording, like right over there. And it would be beautiful with those things on. I can't figure out how to hang it. Nothing quite fits properly. So you're never going to be perfect. You're going to be better. So you start with the idea that you address the things you can address. And this is the part, think of it like, All these things we're exposed to are filling up our pump. We're filling up the barrel, the rain barrel. We're all a rain barrel. We're filling it up. And then we want to also make sure that our outflow valve is optimized. So there's two parts to this game. One is how many things can you get rid of? And by the way, Kate, it's not like this day you're going to get rid of everything in your house and level up. No, you're going to level up as you run out or it breaks or it breaks down. Yeah. So it's not a transform your whole life like that. It's, oh, geez, I'm out of mascara. What can I buy that's better than I had? Or I'm running out of my floor cleaner. What can I get that's better? I use Environmental Working Group all the time. They have an app and they have a desktop app 
and you can look up a product or you could just type in like shampoo or mascara and it'll give you options. Mm. If it's a common brand, it'll tell you how it's rated. So it's not, you're not going to be perfect. What's that app called? It's ewg.org, environmentalworkinggroup.org. There's also an app called Think Dirty. So both of them, I tend to use EWG more just because I know it better, but both of them. And then there's also Yucca, which I haven't used, but someone said to me, oh yeah, this is great for toxins. So it's really about like get the knowledge and then just do a little bit to pull off what you're getting exposed to. That's the exposure part. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think people realize it at all. And again, let's have the visual of walking around Safeway. Do you avoid the dry aisle? Like, do you avoid anything that's in peanut butter is in a plastic jar? Do you get that? I do. So I don't eat peanut butter because it's moldy. But other than that, and sugary. Peanut butter's moldy? Yes. Peanuts and oh, pistachio. No. I know. Look, I'm not the good news bear. I'm the bad news bear. But there's workarounds. Yeah. So peanuts. How about and almond butter? Almond's not as moldy. So we get almond and uh, sunflower butter and hazelnut butter in our house. And again, I don't make it myself. We tried making it ourselves like 10 years ago when my kids were in that like artsy craftsy phase. And then they were like, it doesn't taste as good. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't taste good. It's clumpy and it's not worth the time. So I don't make it myself. One last question on this. I recently switched from butter to olive oil spread. Mm. <laughs> Was that a good move? Are you reactive to dairy? No. Probably doesn't matter then. Uh, well, I hear that olive oil is very good for you. Like very good for you. Olive oil is, but the spread may have been processed enough that it doesn't quite resemble itself enough to move the needle for you. I never liked olive oil for years because I thought it was rancid. And then I learned that olive oil only has to contain 1% of olive oil in order to be called olive oil. And so you need to buy it essentially. It's just so random. We bought olive oil directly from the farmer, the olive oil farmer whom we met at a conference. They were like, yeah, we have an organic farm in Italy and we make olive oil and we ship it to the United States and it's 100% oil. It's not cut with anything else. So you're better off using 100% true organic olive oil as your salad dressing or if it's true olive oil, it has a higher burn temp. It's not quite as fragile as the diluted stuff. Well, Wendy, you're the first to know this, actually. I've not said this on air yet, okay. but I just Thank you for sharing. bought an olive farm, an olive grove <gasps> in Italy. <laughs> oh my God. No, I know. Congratulations. Thank you. And of course, my plan, like this is very timely having this discussion with you and understanding all of this, but my plan is to go completely organic and to grow my own fruit and vegetables yeah. and herbs. And I kind of do it now in the tiny little garden that I have, but still, you know, that is the plan. You know, you're kind of freaking me out because <laughs> And I already knew this, but in a good way, right? Awareness, like education is, is, is king. You can't unsee it once you see it. You can't unsee it. And these documentaries that you see about McDonald's and things like that and how chicken nuggets are made. Oh my gosh. I mean, you just never, ever even want to set foot in that place again. So talk us through your day, exactly what you consume from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and the timing of it. A purist who's listening will say, you're not truly doing intermittent fasting because I take pills, but I don't eat food till usually lunchtime. So, okay, I wake up. Me too. I typically, on my normal day, I wake up at 7.15 in the morning and I get ready. And during getting ready, I take, I'm on a mold protocol and have been for four and a half years. So I take 
fiber. It's called Lean and Clean. It's the propylmanin konjac fiber that binds to all the strains of mycotoxins. So I take three caps of that in the morning along with seven BioPure Chlorella. I recently started chewing them because I was taking too many pills and it was irritating me. I started chewing them. I was like, wow, it tastes really good actually. Makes my teeth all green, which means I have to do it like right when I get up. Otherwise I have to brush for like 10 minutes to get the green out of my teeth. But anyway, seven of those, I take three caps of Ageless LX every morning and every night. And then I take magnesium. So I do those in the morning. And then I putter around and as I'm getting ready, I do NanoMojo, which is a Quicksilver product that's an adrenal support. And I also do Biocidin, which is a gut support. So I do those. Those are both liquids. And then I go downstairs and I'm getting ready to leave the house and I take liposomal glutathione and liposomal vitamin C. Those are both pumps along with some peptides. I'm on two different peptides. One is for gut health to close up leaky gut. And the other is a peptide that helps heal the body at a cellular level. So one is called the razotide acetate and the other is called BPC slash KPV. So it's a dual combined peptide. So I'm on two peptides. Then I actually leave my house. I leave my house with two protein shakes that are not yet mixed. They have about 25 grams of protein, cinnamon, cacao nibs, more gut healing, nutrigreens, greens things, but they're not mixed. And I leave the house with a little more than two cups of chicken broth that I put two and a half scoops of collagen into along with salt and pepper. And I kind of sip on that. And then I'm still doing metals detox. So I take DMSA in the morning on my way to work. And then I eat my first meal, like actually eat, is a protein shake at sometime between 12 and one, typically. Mm -hmm. Then I always get hungry at like, literally I'm like a little clock. I'm like, God, I'm starving. It's three o'clock. Three o'clock, I'm hungry. So I have usually an apple and a handful of pecans. And then it sort of splits. If I'm going to go work out at the gym and do weights, I try to have another protein shake around four. I can't always do it. Like I just can't get it in all the time. If I'm with a patient, I don't feel comfortable drinking a shake, but I try to do that. And then I go home and have dinner. And then with my dinner, I take HCL, and which is stomach acid, and I take pancreatic enzymes. And then as I'm getting ready for bed, I take a whole bunch of stuff because you know I'm postmenopausal now. So I take my hormones, I take melatonin. I've had COVID three times and it always messes me up, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kind of long term. So I, the melatonin is largely to it's a very powerful antioxidant. So I always recommend people who have COVID take it, and then I'm still taking it post COVID. And then more magnesium, more of the fiber chlorella, more of the ageless. And I take NAC. I forgot about that. I take that twice a day. So I take a ton of pills. I also take my supplements at lunch. Those aren't my supplements. What I was telling you is like the additive stuff. So I take a lot of stuff. You don't, you take a lot of stuff, like a mind boggling amount of stuff and solid food. Mm -hmm. What solid food are you eating? Because I haven't heard any solid food yet. Other than my apples, I mean pecans. Uh, So I- Oh, the pecans, the pecans. Yeah. So on weekends, I do a semi-blended shake or I do eggs for breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. And I usually eat earlier on the weekends because I go work out and I found if I don't eat, I get sick. So I eat at like, I don't know, eight in the morning on weekends, which is totally different than what I do during the week. And then for dinner, I always have food. Like my babysitter is now totally taken on cooking because I work a lot. Mm -hmm. So she will make a protein, a salad, one or two vegetables, and then some kind of carb. So I eat and eat and eat at dinner. I love dinner. Is rice the devil? I do eat rice. rice. I do eat rice. My kids hate brown rice and I love brown rice. And guess who wins? They win. Okay. So they have white rice. You have brown rice. No, I get white rice because my babysitter's like, I'm not making rice twice. 
I don't blame her. I love rice. I love rice. I love sushi. I I do too. I eat it when I travel. I'll travel with brown rice and make it for myself when I travel. Bread. Sourdough bread, no bread. I don't eat bread. Oh, no. I generally don't eat bread. I will eat corn crackers. It's just corn. I do eat that. When I did the Candida protocol, I eliminated essentially most things from a package. So rice is something I'll eat, but I don't feel good with quinoa, millet, teff. I don't like how I feel with them. I get a stomach ache, so I don't eat those. And I eat mostly food that looks like itself. I will say when I get home at nine o'clock at night and I like, haven't had a break all day, my go-to packaged food, my like guilty pleasure is the Good Life potato crisps because- Oh, really? I couldn't imagine you eating those. I love the salt. Oh, you like salt? I do. Well, maybe your body's craving salt. I'm sure it is because I'm like, I need salt. What do I need? You know? Yeah. I do really crave salt. And that's an adrenal thing, right? When your adrenals are stressed, you're going to crave salt and sugar. So you look gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. You look like you're in your early 30s. No. You do. Well, you have good light then. But obviously, this is helping you tremendously. It is. And, you know, while we speak, millions of women around the world are injecting Botox and fillers and doing all of that. What are your thoughts on this as the world injects? I don't have a problem with Botox in general. There's a limited amount that you can use it. You know, it eventually gets too toxic for you. But I think that beauty, I mean, my mortality weighs on me very heavily now that I'm over 50. I'm turning 53 in a little more than a month. And I think about like, will I still be relevant if I'm not good looking? You know, like, so I think that every human, I mean, my husband is male and he's like, oh, my hair is thinning. And so I think that mortality is very upsetting for us as a concept because we don't want to get old, but we also don't want to die young. It's kind of a conundrum. Correct. So I think that some people do feel like, hey, beauty at all costs. I haven't yet had surgery. I probably will for my eyes. Like my eyelids are, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's hard to open my eyes, you know, because I have an extra layer of skin there. So I'm sure that I will wind up getting my eyelids done. Yeah. And then probably in a few years, I'll get like this area done, something in here because... I mean, that's so interesting because your whole thing is about toxins and what you put in your body. Isn't that filler and Botox poison? I wouldn't do Botox personally. Oh, you wouldn't do Botox? No, no, no. I would get, I would have surgery, like cut that extra skin off and... Oh, you wouldn't do any injections. Okay, gotcha. All right. I'm not willing yet to say I wouldn't do any injections of anything, but as of yet, I haven't seen anything. Like I've never had a facial either, Kate, though. So No, I haven't either. <laughs> I never wanted anyone messing with my skin. So I kind of feel like it's not I get what I get because I do work hard to be vital and appear younger than I am. Like I also drink a ton of liquid, right? On any given day, I drink probably 10 to 12 cups of liquid in addition to the workout liquid. So water usually, well, the bone broth and then water. So I drink a lot of water and it does help me stay hydrated. And I do believe it makes me look better. Mm. I look better on the days that I've drank. Yeah. They do say, I think it's 10 liters of water a day or something like that of liquid. I usually say, convert your weight into kilograms. And that's the number Mm -hmm. of ounces you should aim for approximately not including exercise. So I weigh 126 pounds. And so that's like 55 kilograms. So that's way too little. 55 ounces is not enough, right? I drink more than that in any given day, but you want to be in that range. So most of us are chronically underslept, underhydrated, underexercised and, and overstressed. Bad combination. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Mm. My very last question is carbonated water. Mm-hmm. And diet drinks of any type? I drink carbonated water. I feel like water is better than carbonated water, but I'd rather see you drink carbonated water than drink a diet drink. 
So the studies are ongoing. It looks like an artificially flavored drink, like something with aspartame. The body, the mouth tastes the sugar, what it thinks is sugar, but there's no sugar coming. But it signals this whole cascade in your body. And what it looks like happens is when you drink artificially flavored sweet drinks, your body puts out insulin thinking it's going to get a bolus of sugar, but you don't get the bolus of sugar. Then you're hypoglycemic. Then you eat because you're like crazed with hypoglycemia because you're like, oh my God, I got to eat something. And what it looks like is that you end up eating more than if you didn't do that in the first place. Now, that's not an endorsement of drinking a sugary drink. It's more try to wean yourself off of these drinks because both the sugar is super harmful and the artificial sugar is super harmful. They're both bad for you. So you're better off trying to wean out and not have any of them. Okay. Well, (laughs) we have heard it from the expert here. I am going to go to my pantry now and empty out half of it. (laughs) But you need replacements, Kate. You have to have like, what am I going to do instead of? Don't just get rid of it and then be like, now what? I know. Right. You got to know, like we keep hummus in the house and it comes in plastic, but unless you're going to make everything yourself and put it in a stainless steel container... You're going to have to make some exceptions. So you need to have, what are you going to do for when you get hungry? Are you going to have an avocado? Are you going to have carrots and hummus? Are you going to have any kind of cheese? Are you going to have leftover meat? Like you have to have a plan or you're going to then backfire and you'll be like, this sucks. I hate my life. Yeah. That's not the goal. Well, this has been so educational. It really has, Wendy. And God bless you. God bless you for this pathway forward and also what you've done. I mean, honestly, you look so good. And I'm sure you feel so good. good. I can only imagine how you feel and how you sleep and how it helps with your relationships. And we know all of this, right? We know what we should be doing. And I think people really struggle with actually doing it. So definitely get the book. Can you tell us very quickly, because we've run out of time, what the book is called and where people can get it? It's called Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing. And we never even got to hump two of my story, which is the exposure to toxins and how it sent me off the cliff. But that book is the review, the memoir of what happened, as well as a roadmap for how do you clean up your life? How do you apply the concept of make every decade better than the one before to your health? And how do you start to clean it up and get rid of toxins? And it's on Amazon. And I actually also have a gift for your listeners, which is drwendy.com forward slash gift. And it gives you chapter one of the book. It gives you a non-toxic guide to healthy living. It gives you a quiz. You can find out like, how toxic am I? And then that site also has education and it's Dr. Dr. not doctor spelled out. It's just Dr. And then Wendy has an IE at the end, not a Y. So it's super small and short, eightletters.com forward slash gift. Dr. Wendy Trubeau, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed dignity kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a dignity kit today. 
Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.